Morning, friends. It is great to be with you this morning on this Good Friday morning as we begin the celebration of our Easter weekend, which culminates on Sunday in the, in the celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. It is, it is really cool to be with you guys. And this morning, I want to, I want to take us um, back to the, the, the Lord's table or the communion table. It's, it's spoken of as in various ways through the texts. And uh, I want to this morning look at the significance of that so that we, after this time, with our families, and, or if you're alone, um, we're going to break bread together. But if, and if you're alone, to, to know that we're doing this together as a family, thinking of each other, even if we cannot be with you together as the meal was meant to be shared in a communion with Jesus and with each other. But let's have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And see what it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is, this, is the place in the, in the New Testament where Paul uh, gives us a description of what this meal was meant to be and how it was meant to be uh, ordered and, and with a heart with which it was meant to be taken. Uh, it's, this meal points back to the Passover um, in the Exodus moment when the Israelites came out of Egypt and they were told to enjoy the Passover meal. This in a sense is the new Exodus with Jesus as the new Moses and us having a new Passover meal in, in, in a sense. It's also connected to the Last Supper, uh, which Jesus had on the day of the Passover as a Passover meal uh, with his disciples, signif signifying this moment that this is a new Exodus and Jesus is the new Moses, the greater Moses, the one, the lamb. He, is, he embodies everything that we are to believe and everything that we need to get free and to get into this new land that he's promised in us, figuratively speaking. So let's have a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through to 26. There's lots going on in this text. Uh, the reason why Paul is writing it is because he is concerned that the heart with which the, the people of God, the church is having this meal, doesn't represent Jesus. There's divisions. People are thinking of themselves, not thinking of others. And he is warning them and saying, actually, your meal's your times together, your meals, your celebrations, your feasts are actually doing more harm than good because they do not represent Jesus. And so that's the context of the reason why and the reason why he wrote 1 Corinthians 11. But I want to look at one from verse 23 to verse 26 and try to draw out some meaning and significance for us that I believe will help us in this moment as we break bread together. So let's have a look. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 23. For I received from the Lord... What I passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes or returns. And what I want to do this, this, this morning with you is to just hone in on that last verse. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns or until he comes. And in that text, what we realize is that the moment we're living now is in the light of or is anchored in the past that is in Jesus' death 
and what he did on the cross and all that he did on the cross to not only start new God's new project of renewal of all things and redeem humanity, pay for the pay the price of our sins, get free from the power of sin, but also it's connected to the coming of Jesus as we anticipate a future when Jesus will return again and renew all things and make things new. And so this is what this, this meal positions us for. It positions us in a past and it positions us in a future. And I want to have a look at what that means for us as we go forward. As Christians, we believe this, is that in Jesus, God's future came rushing into the, past, into the present to meet us. It's like we were going on a journey and steadily moving towards our destination. And somebody from the destination came rushing to meet us in a moment. And that's what happened in the cross. We were moving along and Jesus came from the future, rushed into our present to meet us and forever changed our journey going forward from that moment. God's future came into the present in Jesus. And now that that future, now that future has also become part of our past. In one sense, God's future comes to meet us in the present. God's future comes to meet us in the presence. In another sense, God's past comes to catch us up also. When I say God's past, I'm talking about Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus' death of the past and Jesus' return meets us in the present where we are right now it is a phenomenal moment this friends and can i say all of our life as believers is that it's always past present and future all the time the kingdom of god is past present and future all the time we can look back at a past that is redeemed that is restored that has a plan that has a, has a destiny for us we have we're living in a present and this present in this present, we are always freed from the past because of the life of Jesus. And in this present, we have promise from the past because of the life of Jesus and the promise of God. But we also have this incredible future hope and anticipation of what God is doing and what God is coming to do when he returns again. Past, present, and future are held together in this one meal especially. There are three key words that I want to bring to us this morning. And I've spoken about this before, as we've spoken about these things in the past. The first word is this, is to remember. When we have this meal, we remember. When we have this meal, we anticipate. And when we have this meal, we participate. We remember the past, what God has done, who we were, who we are not anymore, who we've been made, how we've been made a new creation in God. But we remember the past, and then we we enjoy the present, but we continue to anticipate what God will do and his work that will come over all of creation. So let's get into those three words. First of all, remember. Remember is more than just recall. Remember in the Greek word has the force of making present or making alive or making real. It's, it's like, it's more than just remembering in the sense of what I recall, I I remember that's what Jesus did. It's actually taking that moment and bringing it into this moment as we meditate on it, as we realize that Jesus is with us, that what he did in the past is now present with us in the form of, of his person, in the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit with us. I think of Exodus chapter 13, verse 8. 
when uh, in the Passover meal, the, the instruction to the households of God at that moment were this, is when your kids ask you, what I want you to do is I want you to have this Passover meal every, I want you to celebrate it regularly every year. I want this to be for the rest of your life, you to, as, as, a, as a nation, you to celebrate this meal and remember this moment of Passover. And he, and he says to them, he says, and when your children come and tell you or ask you, what is this? What, what happened here? Tell us about this. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 8, it says this. On that day, tell your son, I do this because of what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. Now think of that. Do this because of what the Lord did for me. Now listen, you could be a hundred years down the line. You weren't in the original Passover, but God's instruction to his people were, tell your children this, this is what God did for me, for me. Even though we were a hundred years past the, the original Passover, this is what God did for me. This is what God did for us when we came out of Egypt. And so they take that moment and they make it real for them in this moment where they're living, whatever the conditions are that they're living. Remembering is a big theme in the scriptures, friends. I've written down a few, uh, for a, a few things around what just Deuteronomy tells us to remember. Remember this making real, this, this sense of actually not just kind of putting it out your mind, yeah, yeah, that happened. No, no, no. Dwell on it. Remember it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Apply it to you. Remember it. Make it real. Make it life, life. Make it present in, the, in this present. This is what Deuteronomy, a few things out of Deuteronomy say this. In chapter 8, verse 2, it says this. Remember how he led you through the desert. He tells him, remember. Don't forget how he led you through the desert. How he provided for you. Your clothes didn't wear out. and How he provided food for you. Remember. And at this time, friends, in the midst of COVID, we've got to learn to remember. And so this is an incredible moment for us as we break bread to remember. He tells them in chapter 8, verse 18, Remember how God gives you the ability to produce wealth as he swore to your forefathers. I want to, I want to encourage you business people and business owners and employers and employees. Remember, it is God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Remember when we break bread this morning, actually God gives me the ability to produce wealth, even in the midst of a lockdown, even in the midst of all the economic chaos that's ensuing around us. What about chapter 9 verse 7? Remember how God gives you the land because of who he is and not because of what you have done. It's a moment where we remember, friends, remember we have what we have because of the grace of God. Not because of our cleverness, not because of our performance, not because of our non-performance, not because of anything else. Nothing that we've done deserves this. God gave it to you as a gift of grace. Remember. He says we've got to remember these things. What about uh, this? Remember God showed you his mighty deeds before your very eyes. Chapter 11, verse 2 to 7. Remember the wonders of God from your past. Remember the mighty deeds of God. How God has saved you, how God restored you, how God has put things together, how God has done incredible things in your past. Remember, make them real now in Jesus Christ. Remember. One last one. Remember the days of old. Chapter 32, verse 7. Remember the days of old. He says, actually, just go back, cast your, your, your mind back and remember. Remembering. 
all that God has done, all that God did, all that God did. And we remember right the way back to Exodus. We go all the way back to Genesis and we remember what God has done for his people, the days of old. And we remember what God has done in our lives and in our families and in our friendships. We remember, remember is a significant moment of this meal that we are going to have this morning. The second thing that I want to talk about is participating, participating. What does it mean to participate? Remember I said, remember, participate, anticipate. It's nice three and it even rhymes. Remember, participate and, inter- and anticipate. Well, when, how do we participate in this moment? What does that mean? Well, it means this, friends, is that the breaking of bread was more than just a moment of individual uh, memory. It wasn't just a moment of, of this is what God has done for me. It's actually what we do in this moment is we remember and we participate in. Right now, we are participating in the whole story of God for those that God loves and for the, 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 the planet and the the, the world that he has created. We are thinking about the whole story of God at this moment. Not just what he's done for me, but what he's done from the beginning when he created and what he will do right through to the end. We, this is part of God's story, friends. God is with us in this moment and he is writing a story and he is going to use you and me in that story. We are not the main actors of the story. We are the we are the, those that come alongside and we're the, we're, the, we're the second people. Actually, what we, God is the main actor. God is the main. We're the supporting act in this moment. And we remember the creation. We, we look at, we, we think about the fall. We think about the incarnation. That's the whole story of God, that God came to meet us. And God came to save us in person. And we think about his recreation, his creation, his incarnation, and his recreation. Incarnation means coming in the flesh and being present with us. And then recreation, what that coming in the flesh did was it enabled us and restarted to a a project of restoration where all of creation and you and I will be restored one day and recreated one day into a new heaven and a new earth. How do we participate? We remember we're part of a big story. It's not just about you and me. How do we participate? The bread and the wine are themselves the very essence of creation. So when we break bread and wine, break bread and drink the wine, we actually have meditative thought to the creator God. We think God is God. God created this. God created the, the, the ingredients that made this bread and, and made this, this grape juice or wine. Actually, we, we start to contemplate on God as creator in this moment. God, you are creator. Your creative act and intention was with love. And purpose and goodness in mind. Another thing that we do and we participate is that the bread and wine speak to our oneness with God. That actually in Jesus Christ we become one with God. Have you thought about what that means? That we have the we have the opportunity to be one with the Creator. So when we break break bread and drink the wine, we think about our oneness with God and the wonder of what it means for human and divine to be together in unity like it was in the garden. At the bread and wine, Christ manifested, this is another incredible moment. I, I, I want to emphasize this. 
I want to, especially at this moment in, in, our, in, our, in our nation and in the world at the moment. At the bread and wine, Christ is manifested as the victor over sin and death. So what we do is, how do we participate? We remember these things. We participate by saying, God, as we break the bread and we drink the wine, God, you are victor over sin and death. You are the conqueror over the devil and all that is rebellious against God. What an incredible moment when we break bread. We remember this. God is victor over sin. God is victorious over all evil. God is victorious over all sinfulness. God is victorious over all good, bad, otherwise neutral decisions. God is victory over all evil. What an incredible moment as we participate with Him. So God is victorious over your sin and your struggles. God is victorious over the sin and the, the hurt that has come over you and to you. We participate and we say, God, you are victorious over that in this moment. Another moment how we can participate in this is this. The bread and wine manifest the resurrection of Jesus. We think about this moment. We think about Sunday coming. We have the privilege of knowing what's coming on Sunday. When they had this last supper, they didn't know what was coming on Sunday. But we have the privilege of knowing what's coming on Sunday. And we know that there's resurrection life. It means that there's a new beginning. It means that God has established a new beginning for his creatures, for, for humanity, and a new beginning for creation. The project of renewal has started in Jesus. And we have the incredible privilege of saying, thank you, God, that we are part of your renewal. Thank you, God, for a new beginning for me. Thank you, God, for a new beginning for the world and the globe that is around us at the moment and all its chaos. There is a new beginning in Jesus that has come. And we have a hope of God restoring and renewing into a place where there is no COVID-19. Where there's perfect unity and perfect life and perfect love and perfect provision without disease, without, dis without death. It is a phenomenal thing. It's a new beginning. And when you break and maybe you're in a place where you think you're washed up. Or maybe you're in a place where you're feeling down. I want to tell you, friends, in this bread and wine is a new beginning for you. Participate in the new beginning that is in Christ. Through the bread and the wine, we see the hope of a world transfigured and renewed and restored, friends. We live in the hope of a world transfigured, renewed, and restored. When we participate in this, how we participate in this in this bread and the wine is this. It means that life comes out of death. It means life comes out of death. We participate in that because for this bread to be made, the wheat had to die. For this wine to be made or this juice to be made, the grapes had to die. All life comes out of death. And when we participate, we realize no matter how much death is around us, no matter how much Chaos is around us. Life comes out of death. That the meaning of life, further to this, if we take that one step further, and this is so key for us as we break bread together, that the meaning of life is an act of giving up oneself in order to do the will of God for others. Life comes out of death. It means that we've got to, it's an act, we've got to, when we break this bread, the way we participate in it, is we say, God, we're giving up ourselves to do your will for the sake of others. 
The sacrifice of Jesus for the reconciliation of the world has, was already taking place in the Virgin Mary's womb. You've got to know Jesus paid a sacrifice. It's, it's part of when we, how do we participate? We know that actually for life to come, sacrifice has to be made. And Jesus came and he started sacrificing long before his death on the cross. He sacrificed in, 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 when he came and he limited himself to Mary's womb. He started to, he sacrificed further as he continued on this earth and he suffered rejection by his own people, by his own creation, in spite of his continual manifestation of love. He sacrificed. In his final act of sacrifice, friends, he gave up his own life, shedding his own blood, the death of his own body for the sake of the world. And when we participate in this, we realize this is not about me. This is about him and about others that we are to love and to be for, be there for. This, friends, to participate in the, this meal is to, is to shed ourselves of self-centered, selfish thinking and behavior and start to live a sacrificial life like Jesus did. It is a phenomenal thing to remember all that God has done, but then to participate in this and say, God, do this in me. Help me to give myself up. Help me to live in the whole story. Remind me again, Father, you are victory over sin and death and all evil, Lord God. Please make this real for me. If whatever my struggles are, whatever my habits I'm trying to break, Lord, you are victory over sin and evil and bad things and bad habits and all these things. Lastly, we anticipate. We anticipate. We remember, we participate, remembers the past, we participate in the present, now we make real now what, we, what happened in the past and what's coming in the future, but we also anticipate as we break bread together and drink wine together, as we have a meal together, this was originally a meal, it wasn't a nip and a sip in the church building, we do that symbolically now. To represent a meal with lots of people, somehow to, to say we're having a meal together, but it's just a little bit of bread and a, a little bit of, of juice. But actually this was a meal, and that's why it's so amazing that we can, in your homes, enjoy a meal together and break bread together and enjoy this moment. But there's this, there's this moment of anticipating. And what we anticipate is this, is that when we break the bread and eat the bread and drink the wine, is that this is a foretaste of the kingdom to come, when God's garden will be restored and all heaven and earth will be under his shalom, under his peace again. So we anticipate a time and we take this as like a foretaste of what's to come as we make present, make real Jesus's life, death and resurrection present in our moment now. We look forward, friends, it foreshadows the messianic banquet that is to come. In fact, Jesus in Luke chapter 22 says this, he says, uh, he says to his disciples, he says, I was so eager to, to have this meal with you. I was so excited to have this meal with you as I would not eat or drink with you again until this meal finds its fulfillment in the kingdom. And when we break bread together now, actually we start to think, Lord, there's a meal coming. There's the lamb's meal, the messianic banquet, the, the lamb's feast. There's this incredible feast awaiting for us and we're just having a little foretaste now 
of what that means. And we start to think about that and we start to meditate on that. It, put hope, it puts hope into us, friends. It puts in an expectation for the future of what God's going to do in the city and in COVID and in the world at the moment. It's an anticipation of God acting to restore his kingdom and recreate the heavens and the earth. Friends, I'm saying that again and again. It's an anticipation of what God is going to do now with us in anticipation of what he will ultimately do. Friends, what we have now is temporary. What we will get then is eternal. And this meal takes us to that time now in the present as that hope and expectation of that future breaks into our lives now. It puts a hope in us and puts a life in us. What we have now, friends, is not God's final word on creation. All the division will not be there. And so we start to think about a world where there's diversity and unity. We start to think about a world where love is the predominant, love and sacrifice is the predominant uh, theme of our thinking and our, of our hearts. There's no way we start to think of a world where there's no racism and there's no classism and there's no sexism. A world where people together in unity find God together and live for the sake of one another and for the sake of their kin, their, their people sake of one another. It's a, it's, a, it's a world in which we know there's no COVID-19. It's a world in which there's no d- disease, death, or sickness. Friends, this whole meal, in this meal, we, are, we, are, we have a hope and a joy, and we anchor between God's past and God's future in Jesus Christ. What an incredible moment to be in. What an incredible moment right now in the midst of all that's happening around us, to take a moment and reflect and let the power of God, let the Spirit of God come and minister to us in this present moment. I'm going to invite Heather in to come and enjoy this moment with us as well. Good morning, friends. Um, I was just thinking, I've just got three little stories I'd like to tell um, before we break bread together. The, The first one is Good Friday. I always used to think, Imagine being those disciples. Imagine being with them. For them, their Friday, it must have been the worst Friday of their lives. It must have been the worst day. Their hero, their, their, um, their God had, was, was dying. He, he went to the cross. And for them, they must have thought, what is, there's nothing good about this. But it started because years ago, they used to term the Good Friday was actually a God day. It was actually God's holy day. They take, took the good, the root of the word good, and it was actually God's holy day. And for us as believers, as Stan has been speaking about our future, maybe for us today, we're sitting in lockdown and we're thinking, is it really a good Friday? Is, it, is, is there a future? Is it a really a, a great day for us to be together? But actually, we can decide today as believers, the reason we know it's a good Friday is because we know about Sunday. We know what's coming. We know that it's going to be Jesus' resurrection, and we know that he gives us a hope and a future, just as Stan has spoken. The other thing about um, the breaking of bread that I've always loved the story, I've always loved when you looked at very traditional Hebrew wedding feasts um, and how the wedding would start, the interaction, the engagement, the proposal, what would happen is the groom would come to the, to the father of, of the prospective bride and they would sit around a table together and the bride would be there. She wouldn't be participating. She would, the future bride would be sitting there. 
and the groom would start telling the father all about his assets, all about his attributes, um, basically selling himself to the father of the bride. And they would have um, glasses, the goblets of wine there. And if the future bride um, didn't want to marry this man, she would turn her goblet upside down and the groom, future groom would know that was his sign that, that he, wasn't, um, he wasn't acceptable to her. But when she did think that this was a prospective husband for her, she would, they would fill up the goblet with wine and she would take that wine and she would drink it. And it would be a sign to her father and a sign to this prospective groom that she was prepared to drink of this wine and take him to be hers forever. And I always love that when I remember, when I'm breaking bread and I remember that as I pick up that goblet and I drink that juice or wine, whatever it is today that you're sharing with your family, I remember that it's my active commitment to say that Jesus, you are mine forever. I absolutely love that. And, and I just wanted to remind you of that story. And then my last little story is a family story about Cameron. He was three years old at the time and um, we were breaking bread with our home group in our home and we had our box of liquid fruit grape juice and obviously he was very excited because breaking bread in our home group meant he was going to get juice sort of after six o'clock in the evening he was going to be allowed to have juice and we were breaking bread and he totted off to the kitchen and he came back carrying the box because obviously he wanted a refill of his of his cup and I said to him no Cameron don't don't bring the juice out there might not be enough um, you can't have more. And in his very innocent words, he turned to me and he said, Mom, there's always enough blood of Jesus. It never, ever runs out. And I remember being so struck by that. And as I often remember that, I remember that actually there's always enough of Jesus' blood. It never runs out for us. There's always enough to share with other people. So as we break bread together today, just remember that, that actually the blood never runs out. There's always enough. Wonderful. Well, friends, before we break bread, there are multiple terms that are used in terms of what we are going to do today. Can I just mention them to you? Because each of them has a facet of truth attached to them that give meaning to what we're going to do today. I've spoken about remembering from the past, making real in the present, participating in the present, as well as anticipating for the future in God. And we always, as Christians, live in that past, present, and future reality of what God has done for us. The first word that is spoken of, that this, this meal is spoken of, is the communion meal. That word comes from the word, it's in the NIV, it's spoken of as participation, or fellowship, or it's koinonia, it's the word koinonia. And friends, what this does, it reminds us that we are sharing, it's a sharing meal, where we share in what God has done for us, and we share with each other what God has done for us. It's this moment of communing with each other and communing with God. A second term that is used is the breaking of bread. This is used in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 20. And it's this moment where the bread was not sliced in those days. The bread was broken. It was literally torn apart and broken. And uh, that's why there's always enough. It wasn't like a, a loaf was sliced and we handed out slices and when the slices were finished, it was finished. No, there was always enough because you could take more, you could take less. 
depending on each other, how many people were there, and you could enjoy the one loaf together. It's the breaking of bread. It's, it, it talks about the interdependence that we have on each other and the need we have for one another. It's one loaf and it's one cup that we share. It talks about togetherness, interdependence, and need for each other. The third word is the Eucharist. This is probably the most common term in the church wild world at the moment around what this means. And the Eucharist comes from a word called thanksgiving. It's called the thanksgiving meal, where Jesus gave thanks and broke the bread. In what we read now in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it's that word. And it's actually, what it means is this. It's a thanksgiving meal. It means that actually everything we have is because of the grace of God. And so where we are right now, as little and as much as we have, we have what we have by the grace of God. We have our very breath by the grace of God. And we thank God for what we have. There's also another, another term used called the love feast or the agape feast. It's used in Jude chapter 11. And what this reminds us of is that this meal is a celebration. It's not a somber thing. It's a celebration and it's a meal. It's something that we enjoy together. There's joy, there's life there. It's not a somber thing where we keep very quiet and we spoke pray special prayers. Actually, it's a moment, it's joy, it's life, it's family. It's around the table and we're enjoying God and enjoying each other. There's another word called the Lord's Supper that is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 or the Jesus meal. And in this Jesus meal, he reminds us of the covenant that we have in him. It's a moment where we thank God for the covenant brought by the body and the blood of Jesus. It's the Jesus meal where we say, God, this is the blood of my covenant, of his covenant. And we get to participate in that. We think about the gospel and we think about the, the absolute riches, unsearchable riches that we have in Christ. And the unbreakable covenant that Jesus has brought for us to be in relationship with God and to receive all that we need to get from that king without, without limit of resource or anything else. And then lastly, the one word that is not used in the, in the, in the New Testament that, but has been used in the church is the mass. This word was brought into use in the Middle Ages. And the mass developed from a Latin phrase called ita missa est. Ita missa est, a Latin phrase. And the, meaning, and the meaning of that Latin phrase was, go, you are sent out. And that Latin phrase was shortened to the mass. And at the end of the meal, the person presiding would say, ita missa est, go, you are sent out. And what this reminds us of, friends, that those who have eaten the bread and those who have drunk the wine and are participating in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus we are equipped now to go into all the world and do the work of God and be his hands and feet and be the people that we're called to be. So actually this meal is a commissioning meal as well as a reflecting and an internally processing and thanking God. It's actually a commissioning meal as well. What an incredible time. So friends, please enjoy some, some time together, break bread together, enjoy some prayer together uh, and tell some God stories together. If you're on your own, like I said, and you are, are, you are in your flat or in your home and you've got nobody to share that with, just know that God is with you and, the, and we're thinking of you and you've got friends thinking of you or do a Zoom call. Do a Zoom call and break bread together if you, if you would like to. But let's just find God together in this moment as we've been speaking of. Thank you so much.